Well, welcome. Hello to our listeners. We really appreciate you attending the PATC podcast. My name is Mark Waterfill. I am the president and owner of Public Agency Training Council. PATC is the largest and longest running provider of seminars for public safety officials. Uh, we are very happy to have you here. David Broadway, my co-host, is here with me. Uh, David, uh, introduce yourself, please. Hi, my name is David Broadway. I'm an adjunct now at PATC for the last seven plus years. I'm currently an adjunct in the um, criminal justice program at Western Carolina University, and I have 34 years law enforcement experience, 10 on the local level and 24 with the Florida Department of Law Enforcement, which is a state investigative arm of a state police in Florida. In the South, we don't have a true state police. We have a division between the Florida Highway Patrol and the Florida Department of Law Enforcement. So I spent 24 years there with a very diverse, wonderful career, and I appreciate being part of PATC. It's always a good time. Fantastic, David. We appreciate having you here. And our special guest is Anita Siemens, um, who is one of our instructors. Uh, Anita, please give our audience a little bit about your background. Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me this morning. I'm so excited to be here, so excited to be working for uh, PATC. Oh, my goodness. I, in June, uh, I will begin my 40th year in criminal justice uh, as a peace officer. I started in 1983 uh, with the uh, Live Oak Police Department, the suburb of San Antonio. And so I worked for Live Oak for 31 years, and I retired in 2014 and began teaching full-time. I taught for and continue at times to teach as an adjunct with the Alamo Area Council of Governments Police Academy. I taught in the basic academy, intermediate, and then advanced investigation skills. And then I had an opportunity that I took advantage of. I had an opportunity to become the director of a regional police academy, and that academy was located just outside Durango, Colorado, which is, that's that's the Lord's backyard. I mean, it's so pretty there. And so I was able to uh, to serve as that director there for three years. I had some things come up with my family here in San Antonio and felt that I needed to be back here with my family. And so I left there and came back to San Antonio in 2018. And I served for three years as a detective investigator with the Kendall County Sheriff's Office, which is just outside of the city of Bernie, Texas, which is in the Hill Country. Enjoyed my time very much there. And I have now joined the ranks I am currently a special investigator with the Child Protective Services here in San Antonio. And the special investigators are all former law enforcement. You have to have at least, uh, I think, three years experience investigating crimes against children as a peace officer uh, before they will hire you as a special investigator. And all we do is the we, we investigate in me in the San Antonio area, child death, serious bodily injury to children, Cases where a licensed peace officer is accused of abusing a child and cases in which school personnel are accused of uh, abusing a child. And then we have families that abscond and basically mom and dad figure out that Child Protective Services is, is on to what they're doing and they don't want to stop whatever it is that would be very dangerous to that child and they tried to hide from us. And so because the special investigators are former law enforcement, we have you know, we have people that we know and, and techniques that have worked for us. We usually end up finding these families. Fantastic. And you're teaching classes for PATC. Tell our audience about your classes. 
I am I am so excited, and I don't I don't mean to sound like that I'm you know trying to trying to suck up. Um, I'm not at all. Uh, I started attending PATC classes in the early '90s, and have always been extremely impressed with the instructors that you've hired. So I'm personally I'm humbled to have been chosen to to be an instructor for PATC because there's a lot of people I've gone to classes with. I'm sure Mr. Broadway would agree with me that you know PATC hires experts. So I'm 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 humbled and extremely excited to be part of this group. My two main classes that I hope to continue teaching, it is designed for both investigations and patrol officers of what to look for when they when they get to the scene of an apparent suicide. The main gist of it is that 99% of the suicides that you're going to work as a patrol officer are indeed suicides. I mean, it is a suicide. But unfortunately, for a patrol officer or an investigator, if you make a misstep, when you first get to that scene and you make the mistake after being in that scene for 10 minutes of using the word suicide, and that word is overheard by family, you got problems. And so I have taught this class all over the United States, and I always find in every class I've ever taught, somebody raises their hand and said, yeah, yeah, we got one of those. And you always have that one person that's going to call your chief or call your your sheriff, okay, uh, and say, it's the anniversary date of my son's death, and you guys messed it up. It wasn't a suicide. And this can go on for years. People don't want to accept it, okay? And so the only way to avoid that and to give true peace to that poor family is to do it right from the beginning. And so that's that's the gist of the class is we are going to make a determination of suicide after we have already eliminated homicide, accident, other circumstances, natural. We eliminate all that. And then when it can't be anything else, then we're going to call it a suicide. And that might take six hours or it might take six weeks, depending on how thorough we want to be on waiting on labs and DNA and everything else. The, the biggest mistake you can make is actually calling it that too early. I have something to add that maybe I'd like to get your comment on. Is It just so happened I was nodding my head because the last on-call case I had was a suicide and, right. um, in my career. And um, having the compassion, and uh, and I chose yes. to tell the family, you know, after a while that we did do a forensics check on the computers and things like that. And I warned them. I said, if we go deep on this, just be prepared to see and hear what our findings are. I had to address 20 family members. And uh, it was yeah. really interesting. It was a small sheriff's department, so they called us in to do it. And uh, right. it was, um, do you address any of the compassion issues when you're when you're talking to a family? Nobody wants to nobody wants to acknowledge a suicide in a family member. Yeah, no, they do not. Um, the 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 first reaction is, there's no way that happened. There's yes, no ma'am. Way. And that's just human. That's human nature. And yes, absolutely. The second day of class, uh, I spend quite a bit of time talking about. Uh, first of all, because so many small departments don't have anybody to do this. So as the investigator, guess who gets to make the death notification? Yeah, you do. Mm-hmm. And so I spend quite a bit of time talking about how to do that. What is, how do you give a death notification? What do you do? What do you not do? That's and a so, great mission. Yeah, you bet, sir. And it, it you really need to know how to do that. You want to have the absolute assurance 100% in your own mind that you haven't missed anything. And once you're assured of that, after given the initial death notification, what I have had to do is uh, when I still had family members that were very upset and very questioning, once everything was done, and this is something else I teach, is that you call them all together and you sit down in the conference room of your sheriff's office or police department or wherever, and we set everybody down, and then we give them the, I give them the facts of the case, and then I stop. 
And if they ask a question, I'll answer it. But sometimes you don't want to – yeah, yeah. It's like being on the witness stand. You don't want to overstate your case. But I, I tell them what has happened, and then I say, ask me a question, and you will get the, you'll get the honest answer. And so they ask questions, and I answer it honestly. And what I do, another thing that I teach in my class is that people that are this upset, they don't breathe. They don't breathe. They don't, they don't get that good, deep breath. And there's a trick to making somebody breathe when they don't realize they're not breathing, and that is to hand them a bottle of water. And to drink a bottle of water, you have to take that breath. And so I always have bottles of, you know, room temperature water ready for everybody. And then, you know, go ahead, please, please take a drink of water. You know, it'll help. And then all of a sudden they're breathing and they're drinking the water and we're talking and I tell them everything they want to hear. I don't tell them anything they don't ask. I tell them everything they want to hear. I'm 100% honest with them. And then the final phase of this, and this happens every time and I've done this a lot, is that somebody will kind of make a comment that will make somebody giggle. You know, well, it was wanted to be buried in that blue suit he just bought, you know, you know, and you, you know, a little, little giggle. Okay. Yes. Out come the Hershey's Kissies. Okay. This is chocolate. This sends a message to the brain and produces the same enzymes. We get those feel good hormones, hormones when we eat chocolate. If I have Hershey's Kissies in a bowl with individual serving sizes, I've never had that bowl passed around where somebody didn't pick up at least one. Oh, where were you in 08? Where were you in 08? My last case, and I'm going, really? And, and, you know, and another thing, too, is I want to uh, hear your comment on is this happened to be an evangelical family from a small community, small sheriff's department. They called us in to do the entire investigation. So it was really tricky for me because, you know, that was a no-no. And then and their church family and all that. Right. And uh, just telling them that person's in Hades. Yes. Yeah. So it's it's hard to that is a that's a real tricky subject um, yes, ma'am. To, to cover uh, without offending somebody and then of course I'm representing when I'm investigating when I was investigating the suicides for instance as a member of the Kendall County Sheriff's Office you know I have to be very careful if I choose to address that I have to tell them okay this is coming from Anita it's not this this is not Kendall County okay this is not whoever this is Anita. And sometimes I don't ever address of whether they're in Hades. What I have done in the past, and I personally, I have found that it works tremendously well, is before I leave and they have gathered family, when we talk about making the death notification, I tell them, after you make that notification, start calling people. It, it, have them call anybody. I don't care. Their pastor, their friends, their relatives. I don't care if they call a next-door neighbor. But what I tell the officers is you do not leave. That person, you do not leave that person until there's somebody physically with them. We never leave them alone, ever, right? So now there's people there, and family generally will start assembling there at the house, all right? You've got a lot of really upset people. You can't answer a lot of questions just yet because you're still in the middle of your investigation, and you have to leave normally before the investigation is at a conclusion because, again, you don't want to make a conclusion in six hours. And what I've done... Uh, in the past that, that has worked for me personally very well uh, because I, I do have a very close walk with Christ. And so what I will do is I will ask, I will ask the family member before I leave, would you like to pray? And I've, I've, I've never had anybody tell me no. You're not going to hear that now. Uh, tell our audience a little bit about your child death class. The child death class, child abuse and child death investigations. Uh, this is also a 16-hour class. This is um, where we talk about investigating child abuse, but it's more on a 
more on an intermediate to advanced level. Most of us can recognize injuries, whether or not it's child abuse or whether it's 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 an accident. Uh, although we do cover that, so when they when the students leave that class, they are 100% certain that when they see an injury, they're going to be able to tell pretty quick that that was an accident. That was not an accident. Another thing I cover, which I believe is is extremely important, uh, is initially anyway how to interview that child. How do you talk to a six-year-old? How do you talk to an eight-year-old? And it may not be an in-depth interview. I always recommend the Child Protective Services in your area conduct the actual forensic interview. But officers need to know the who, what, when, where, how, and why. Did an offense occur? Did it occur in my jurisdiction? Do we know who did it? How long has it been? And those basic questions are best answered by the child. So you've got to know how to interview a kid. So we talk to we talk a lot about interviewing kiddos. So this would be a class not only for police officers, but also for Child Protective Services employees? Yes. Yes. I've had a lot of CPS employees come through this class as well. Uh, police officers, Child Protective Services. I've had forensic interviews come, interviewers come through the class and told me they thought it was quite, you know, quite helpful. And then we talk about, uh, I talk about it in my, my uh, investigation of suicide class, but I also covered in this class, and that is the rising number of children under the age of 15 that are killing themselves. Because this is, it's just, it's pandemic. Mm. And so we talk about child suicide, mm. what leads to it and how we can investigate it. Um, and then accidental child death. Not all child deaths are, you know, deliberate. Right. Uh, we handle, we handle many, 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 many child deaths here in Bear County that are a result of co-sleeping. People, we tell them and tell them and tell them, but we have people that'll put a two, two month old baby in bed with them. Uh. And if you roll over on that baby, you're going to kill it. And then I also see that you have preventing failures in investigations. What is included yes, sir. in the class? Yes, sir. And what that is, is uh, it's a class that goes back and looks at some of the more notable failures in investigations that we know about and what it is that causes us basically to repeat the mistakes of the past. And I've had people at, at the lunch break or at the end of the first day going, well, I thought this was going to be more, you know, kind of more inclusive of other things. All you've been talking about is violations of the Fifth Amendment and the Fourth Amendment. I said, that's what we keep getting wrong. And so it's it's looking at what we're doing, and we're just shooting ourselves in the foot with it. And so it's talking about the attitude, the mindset, what we're doing, the absolute 100% certain knowledge of how far we can go with a uh, with a consent search. At what point has my interview turned into interrogation? Uh, you know, is this a consensual? Hey, buddy, how you doing? Mind if I talk to you a minute? That's consensual. I can talk all day long to that guy. But, you know, at what point does it become a point where I have to stop and Mirandize? And we talk a lot about that so we don't make those mistakes again. That's great. Uh, can you tell our audience what kind of things you like to do when you're not teaching, uh, not on the job, or taking care of your cat? Yeah, right. I have two cats, by the way. The other one is a little shy. Yeah, I, my hobby is a little bit different. I am, uh, my my main hobby is that I am a storm chaser. And so, yes, I go out every year. Uh, I usually go at the end of May. I go with a group of people. Uh, it's like one of those adventure vacations. I, I pay to go, and I just have an absolute blast. I've been doing it for close to 10 years. And have you so sought I, any professional help for that? Or? <laughs> no, no, not yet. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, April oh, April third, nineteen seventy four, our house was totaled in, oh, I'm so sorry. in southern Indiana, and so when I yes. you're storm chasing, I assume it's tornadoes that you're watching. Yes, I am. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's I'm, we're going after when I go. It's it's the part of the the year 
Uh, I normally go the last week of May, first week of June, uh, which the um, Severe Storm Center uh, predicts to have the, the highest incidents or possible incidents of tornadoes. We usually start in Oklahoma City. And then the, the guy that leads our group, Jason Weingarten, will look at the uh, forecast uh, that morning at the hotel and say, okay, we need to be in, you know, the plains of central Texas by about 4.30 this afternoon. And we, they have vans. We jump in the vans and... Well, and, and unfortunately, the, in recent years, it's been November, December, January uh, in, in the deep south, which is so sad. Yeah, it is. It is. So sad. And the thing is that a lot of those tornadoes we're seeing <clears throat> in the deep south uh, during this time of year uh, are not really ideal for chasing uh, because a lot of them happen at night. Okay. And then a lot of them, like the most recent one they talked about in the Houston area of a lot of those, I believe, don't quote me exactly, but I believe they were rain wrapped. And so when they're wrapped around rain, you know, what we want to do is get off at a safe distance. And if we see one, then we, you know, we photograph it. Right. Well, I'll just tell you, we really appreciate our affiliation with you. You're an excellent instructor. We appreciate your experience and knowledge and glad that we have this relationship that you can impart that on younger officers. So uh, thank you so much. Uh, We appreciate you being on our podcast. Thank you, sir. I appreciate being here. Thank you, Nathan. Thank you so much for listening. And if you have any questions or comments, feel free to email us at phcpodcast1 at gmail.com.